Good, good morning to you. We have a, a visitor with us here he'd like to introduce and, uh, and actually welcome back here. Um, the Lord has been so good to help uh, Mr. Mank walk in this morning and uh, be with us here. Calling out of the tree stand was in October. November 3rd, November 3rd, here in a little walk-in. I told, uh, I knew he was coming today, and I had a man who was practicing for songs, and I said, aren't you supposed to pick up your dad today? And he said, no, they're driving themselves. <laughs> but I'm supposed to meet him there at the door. So what a, what, a, what a blessing, what an honor for the Lord uh, here for um, his, uh, his, uh, his help there. Um, we're going to, uh, to, to sing first this morning, then have our scripture reading, and then have a, uh, a short message, um, and then uh, sing again, and then, uh, Lord willing, about 10.30, have our members meeting here, but uh, just a couple of announcements to start here, so kids, you're, you, can, you can be dismissed after we, uh, after we sing here. Um, just a couple of announcements. Um, next week, we're going to try to have a prayer service, a little bit something a little bit different than what we normally do, um, by um, reading through Romans 1 through 8 and praying according to some of the key themes there, the, the, those chapters there. Um, Romans 5 through 8 is kind of like the meat of the sandwich of the book of Romans, the letter of Romans. And um, it is, a, uh, it, it is a, a, a book that we're supposed to build our our faith upon, and then we're supposed to, as you see in Romans 12 through 16, uh, walk that out as believers who are walking in newness of life. So we're going to do that as our emphasis next week and have communion. Um, if you can bring your own elements for communion, that will be helpful. So we'll have some uh, set up for those who are, uh, are unable to. And then just a reminder, next week on the 28th, after morning service, we will have a, a, a simple lunch. Uh, the, it will be as, as hands-off as possible here. Things will be all set, prepared for you. Just grab your food and, and the sit-up. So we'll have the table set up here. And then we'll also have some tables set up in the post and beam room for those who wish to be uh, out of the crowds. Um, and uh, then after that, we're going to um, uh, have a, a, a brief uh, shower for Hannah Adolson after the morning service. Uh, well, actually, in between, right? Where is Connie? Connie, you should probably make this announcement. You're putting this together. Why don't you go ahead and make the announcement? So I don't screw it up here. <laughs> um, we're just, we're going to be setting up for the meal here for anybody that wants to join us for the meal. While that's going on, we're going to have a little shower for Hannah up in the auditorium. Um, this isn't your purse, but, <laughs> Uh, not all the clothes were gently worn from the last one, so she is registered at Target, um, but diapers and wipes and that kind of thing that you would have loved to have for your career support style would be wonderful. All right, thank you. <coughs> and then I did want to remember, uh, mention too, near your bulletin, there's a, a, a flyer here um, called Echo, and it is uh, a little information about what will occur today from 4 to 6 p.m. in the auditorium uh, upstairs. Uh, we'll have CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, come and share a uh, teaching called Understanding Today's Child. And this flyer here in your bulletin will help you understand a little bit about where they're going. Um, of course, things with children are the same as they have been for thousands of years. At the same time, there are different cultural influences and shapes 
um, and, uh, and things that have impacted children that uh, help us to think about what's a, what's a strategic game plan for this generation uh, today in reaching children. So whether you have children or you have grandchildren um, or you're in a formal ministry like a Sunday school teacher or other ministry, um, if you want to uh, better be better equipped to minister to today's child, um, this teaching will be very helpful for you uh, here. And uh, let, uh, let Ethan Proster know if you're going to be able to make it for that so we can plan uh, some of those details, handouts, etc. here for that. But I think it will be very helpful. The last training we had in January with CEF was very helpful, understanding how to present the gospel today to today's child. And so I know this one will be uh, here as, as well. Well, uh, next is going to lead us, and we're going to sing uh, together uh, one song, Speak, O Lord, and then Jared will come and read the scripture after that, and then we'll get into the word of God.
Good morning. Today we will be reading Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 11, going through the end of the book. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. For these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise them. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto, unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, toward toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, by the watching of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second abomination reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinned, being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus shall be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have demanded there to winter, determined there to winter. Bring Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey, diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they may be not unfruitful. All that are with me, salute me. Greet them, that love is us. Love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for this day. Pray for this passage that you will, uh, that through pastor you will use it to speak in our lives and bring forth its truths and challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jerry. I have a word of prayer too. I've been uh, kind of feeling physically 
weak here and not a whole lot of energy at all from Fighting something or what? Don't say that to scare you. But, uh, <laughs> um, I just need the Lord's, uh, Lord's strength this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that you help us in our weakness. Lord, I pray that there would be clear communication and I pray that there would be um, your grace that would be undeniably active uh, in us. Lord, I pray that you would give strength in your name and pray. Imagine a little island in the Mediterranean. A little island with a reputation, apparently. Paul talks about it in Titus chapter 1. And the gospel had already penetrated there. And there had been congregations that had been formed. But there was a lot of sanctification work. A lot of becoming like Christ and transformation work that needed to continue as of any church. And also an impact on the unbelieving community. And that's what Paul's writing about here. I'd like to begin here with a, with a question this morning. If our church disappeared, was here today and gone tomorrow, would the community notice the difference? If our church was here today and gone tomorrow, would our community notice the missing impact? Would they notice the missing love and kindness and serving that primes them to ask the reason of the hope? That's within us. Imagine a local community that when they had struggles and problems, their first thought is this. South Lope Community Church loves us and serves us and they have real hope. Let's ask them. Let's look there. God has given us a mission. To make disciples who are being transformed by the eternal life of Christ that they've been given to make more disciples. There's different stages of discipleship. Of course, everybody starts dead in their sin, Ephesians says. Spiritually dead. We're born into this world spiritually dead. We need Jesus to make us alive. And so we all start at that stage and it can come in that stage can be expressed in different ways in your um, uh, interactions with the lost world. Um, things like, oh, I don't believe there is a God. Or the Bible is a bunch of myths. Religion is a crutch for the weak. Christians are intolerant and homophobic people. There's many ways that a person can get to God. I don't believe in hell. People just make their own hell. I've been a good person, so when I die, everything's going to be okay. I'll take my chances with the big man upstairs. There's no absolute right or wrong. Something's right for you, might not be right for me, and vice versa. I'm spiritual, but I don't connect with one religion. Skeptics non-curious, sometimes people curious to have those things in the back of their minds. It's an opportunity to present the gospel, see them come to Christ, and when someone comes to Christ and they're born again, they're a spiritual babe, a baby in Christ. A baby. What, I need to be part of a church family regularly? I've never heard that before. 
Do I need to pray regularly and read the Bible regularly? I've never heard that before. How would I do that? I didn't know the Bible said that. Get it? What's that? I've always connected with God through nature. Being outdoors is my church. I don't need anyone else. It's just me and Jesus. I need someone to regularly care for me. I know Jesus is God, but isn't karma real too? Trinity? Huh? Now you really got me confused. My wife and I just got baptized, and on the way home from church, we got in a big fight. What's up with all that? I thought Jesus was supposed to take care of all our problems. Come to Jesus, but there's a lot to learn, right? Then China. Then China. They're on a journey. Though they're growing. You think of your own children, much of their life still revolves around them, doesn't it? Meeting their needs, their desires, and their interests. As children, uh, they can be pretty self-centered, not yet fully oriented to their focus on others, right? That marks people who are living in maturity and God's kingdom and family. So they tend to uh, express themselves in that. But growing. But growing. Or the next stage, young adult. What would that be like? Well, someone who perhaps is thinking along these lines. In my devotions, I came across something I had a question about. I'll look into it. See if you have any insights into that as well. I really want to go to Uganda on a mission trip this summer. I think I'm ready for it. I think God's got some big plans. I just love singing Christian music. I think it's something God's gifted me in. I'd love to see, love to see an entire congregation just, just worshiping God. I got three friends I've been witnessing to, and the Bible study group I'm in would be too big for them. So can we branch off so they can come? Brandon and Tiffany missed being with our church family today, and I'll call them to see if they're okay. And their kids have the flu, so I'm going to see if there's some other people to help bring some meals for them. I'll start it off. Young adults. Look how full the parking lot is today. Closest parking spot I could find was two blocks away. That's awesome. They're beginning to orient their lives around Jesus' kingdom and less, less and less about themselves. And spiritual parents. Spiritual parents. I wonder if God's meaning me to invest in Bill and mature, help him mature in his faith. I want to help this guy at work I've been talking to. He asked me to explain what the point of the Bible was and pray for me. I'm going to try to sit down with him and have a conversation about that. We got to baptize someone at our church today. What's the next step? I got to get him plugged in. That's essential for their growth. I heard about a few people going on a mission trip, and I'm praying God's going to give me wisdom here so I can help with that, and each person has a different responsibility on that trip that helps them grow. I'm beginning to understand that the most important disciple-making I do is with my own family and my children. Can you help me be accountable to have family worship time with them and the best and then with some spiritual questions to help me grow. Well, as you know, Bill and Betty and I, we like to go to the local 
laughs about the games. Would you pray for me? Bill and Betty are new Christians and they're hungry for guidance. And I want to be a good testimony to set an example for them. I got a spiritual child in one of my relationships who's causing some conflicts. Pray that I have patience as I teach them through this particular stage. There's some teens who I see real leadership potential. It's not going to be long before they're going to be able to take more and more responsibility. Would you pray for me as I help them grow and take that next step? A spiritual parent is someone who has a mindfulness of the needs of others. Less than four disciples and they Ask God how they can have a role to help you people move to the next spiritual step. Make disciples. It's what we exist for. I wonder if you would evaluate yourself or ask others to evaluate you just in what they've observed and what they know learn. They would put you in each stage. And regardless of where that, what that answer is, would you make up your mind to press on to the next stage? Take the next spiritual step. One of the things I think the Lord uh, lays out in the way that he ministered to his disciples from each of these stages here is he moves them along the way. He's very patient with them, but keeps moving them along the way. He doesn't want them to get too comfortable where they're at. He wants them to rest in him and take his yoke upon them. But at the same time, he wants them to move to spiritual, more and more spiritual steps. And he gives them more and more responsibilities. Of course, he gives them a big test, right? At the cross. And they pretty much fail that test. But he's not scared of letting them fail. And he lets them grow. And he gives them more challenges. And he goes back and he seeks them out from Peter, going back to fishing. He's gracious to them. And then when the Spirit comes upon them and dwells them and controls them, great things, great things happen. One of the things that I think for this next year that we really need to focus on here as a, as a church is relational disciple. Relational disciple. Um, we have a, a, a lot of people in our church who know each other on a certain level but don't know each other very well. Um, the dynamics of our church have been different over the past few years and um, there's a lot of newer people and there's some people maybe who you don't know very well. I really would just encourage you, especially if you've been here uh, for a while, um, to take some steps here of risk. Take some steps to get to know some of these new families. To find out what makes them tick. To share your own salvation testimonies. To hear how they met. To hear the things the Lord is doing in their lives. Share your stories. Share some of your heritage. Mm-hmm. Share the wonderful things the Lord's done uh, while you've been here. And press out to these, uh, these newer families. It's one thing to be a friendly church and to have a handshake for people. It's another thing to be a friend, isn't it? I can be friendly and shake my daughter's hand and say, Hey, good to have you here. And have some level of surface relationship, right? But that's not enough for brothers and sisters in Christ, is it? Be depressed into her. Find ways I can pray and encourage. Right? 
I just encourage you to be a friend. Not just be a friend of Be a friend. Be a friend. And for a lot of us that are more introverted, that's a difficult thing to do. So maybe focus on one or two people. Start there and say, hey, I'm going to take an initiative to build a relationship with this person who I don't know very well. You might be surprised where that takes you. They might become lifelong friends. I just encourage you that way here at this particular year. Um, one of the things I'd like to do this year is for those who really want to understand how God designed them and believe the truth that you can't be everything you want to be. But you can be everything that God designed you to be. Because work through a course for those who are interested here within the coming year of discovering your design. Uh, how your personality plays into that, your spiritual gifts, um, your passions, your burdens, your abilities. Um, there's a difference between an ability and a spiritual gift, right? You could, have a, you could have a spiritual gift of mercy and then have an ability of carpentry, right? And somehow God can make those merge and be used um, in various ways here. But harnessing how God made you to contribute to the greater whole. I want to offer that here, discovering your design uh, here in the, in the next few months. And one of the things I think we need to uh, focus on this year is our deacons serving as ministry teams. Ministry teams. Um, one thing I found is that when people serve together and there's ministry teams, it creates a fosters a level of enthusiasm. It fosters a level of accountability, and more is accomplished for God's kingdom. And I think there's a reason that Jesus. When he sent out the 70, he sent his other disciples. He didn't send them out individually. He said, go figure it out yourself. He sent them out in pairs, in two by two. And that's one thing what I, that I'd like to press into this particular year with deacon teams. Um, this morning at our, at our um, uh, annual meeting, we have uh, four deacons that we're proposing to you here. You might say, why four? That's a lot. And this is the reason. This is the reason. Because we've got a lot of work to do in our community. I'm going to talk about this in a minute. Um, we have men, I believe, who love the Lord, are imperfect, but have a heart for service. A heart to serve the Lord. And I think we'll be wonderful assets here to this concept here of serving um, our community here. And then one thing the Lord has burdened me about as well here um, is... Uh, Beginning a pilot group for those who are interested in have a, um, a heart for this. A pilot group uh, who will uh, study the Word of God together, who will pray together, will meet at least once a week, share meals together, and look for ways, brainstorm ways together through perhaps their own spheres of relational networks through their neighborhoods or through their work relationships or through their other relationships here. Brainstorm ways to serve and minister together. And then we'll make a commitment to do that for a few months. And then up with the understanding that several of them, as the Lord leads and directs, will then be released to replicate that process. Um, I'm going to be 43 this week, which to some of you is a very old and others of you is ancient. Right? <laughs> um, so, I guess I'm kind of getting no age, just what I'm saying, right? Um, 
No, not yet. Um, the point is this. God's been so gracious to let me serve here for 13 years this fall, this coming fall. Um, when my kids came, they were one and two. And uh, I remember opening up the nursery <laughs> again and cleaning some stuff out so that they wouldn't be uh, too disruptive during the service. Um, and uh, God's, been, God's been so good. Um, and as I look at those 13 years of ministry, um, I'm so thankful for them. And as I look ahead here, one of the things as I've been studying Jesus' methods and Jesus' ways, some of us are going through a study of making disciples as Jesus did. And it's been so refreshing and rewarding and, and, and so simple, so simple and basic, that I need to invest in people um, who have that same heart. And I need to train the trainers, so to speak. And so if there's people who are interested, uh, who have that hunger and desire for continuing to develop as a disciple maker here, I'm going to try to pour into that more. And this is one particular way I'd like to do that. Because I think it's something that uh, we have an untapped potential here in some ways in our region. There's a lot of churches in our area that have services. And a lot of churches that have some wonderful ministries. I could be totally off base here. I'm ready to accept any correction for this. But as I look across our region, I don't see a whole lot of community engagement. If I'm incorrect in that, I'd love to be corrected. And I think there is an incredible potential for our church to tap into our community and find simple ways to serve and pull threads and see where those threads will unravel. What do you mean by that? Well, when Jesus made disciples, when the church makes disciples in the book of Acts, you kind of see four, four things that are part of that process. You see a process of sharing. When Paul goes to the city of Athens, where he really doesn't know hardly a soul, you know what he does for a couple days? He doesn't show up and start yelling at people. You know what he does? He walks around. He mingles. He asks questions. His heart is stirred by the idolatry. There's an emotional response. He sees the brokenness and need. And he has conversations with people. You know why I know he has conversations with people? Because the people then invite him to go to Mars Hill. Now, how did he earn that kind of trust? How did he earn that kind of response? There was something he was discussing as he mingled with people. Something, things he was bringing up. Questions he was posing. And so when he goes to Mars Hill, then he has an opportunity to present, I know who your unknown God is. Let me tell you about it. And so he shares. First, he's listening. He's the embodiment of Jesus. Jesus lived for 30 years before he began his ministry. Ever think about that? Sometimes we think, you know, Jesus began his ministry the day he was born. For 30 years he was very normal. In fact, he's still uh, normal that in Luke 4, when he says, I'm the Messiah, and here's my four or five prong mission. The people are like, Joseph's son, the carpenter's son. It's hard for them to swallow. They grew up with But he begins that ministry after a long time of just living among people. Well, we have an incredible amount of, of uh, in our church body of years and Connections with people, of living amongst the neighborhoods in our area here. 
And lots of years of people being able to observe our lives and our changed lives for Jesus. We need to move to, I think, this S part here, share. And think about incarnating Jesus. The church is the body of Jesus Christ, right? The hands and feet of Jesus Christ. For the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, there should be some embodiment here. Some incarnation, so to speak, here of Christ in us. The hope of glory now. Fleshing out. Fleshing out. And I think that first part of the process of making disciples share is your initial contact with people. You share life. Life on life. That's what Jesus did. Think about the woman at the well. The woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus is there finding a point of intersection with her, right? Thirsty. Woman with jug. He speaks. He asks questions. He shows interest in her life and care. And through that, he invites her to come taste of the living water. There is the life of Jesus. That's what I mean when I say incarnate. Jesus changing us, the life of Jesus. Finding people, finding ways to serve and connect. Point of intersection. Could be with felt needs. But in order to get to the real need, the real need, the heart need. The old social gospel by Walter Rauschenbusch in um, the New York City in the, uh, in the late 1800s said, we just need to meet people's felt needs. Because there was a real lack of it with some of the poor immigrants in New York City in the neglect. They didn't get to the spiritual needs. That's the social gospel. The real gospel says we care about people and we move them to the real need. The real need. So we invite them. Invite them into the life of Jesus with us. And I think that's a point of, of, of emphasis that we need to make this year here. And so what I'm proposing is this. What would it look like if we, you and I, together, worked harder and more creatively by loving our neighbors? What would it look like? Can you dream a little bit with me here this morning? So Titus. Paul placed them, places them on this island here of people who are self-proclaimed, you can read this in chapter 1 of Titus, self-proclaimed liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That makes Big Coast Maine sound pretty good, doesn't it? Right? In chapter 1 and chapter 2, he talks about the things that the local church needs to grow in, their own weaknesses. Right? And none of us is where we should be yet. Um, we need to keep growing and pursuing the Lord. But I want to ask this question if you think about this. So he put these churches on this island. He says, appoint elders over these churches, these congregations. And, and, uh, and then he says, this is what the body like in chapter 2, 1 through 11 or so. needs to look like older men, uh, older women. Uh, younger men and women, etc. here for the sake of showing that the gospel is attractive. Not changing the message but showing the beauty of the gospel. How it changes us here. He says in Titus chapter 2. He says it a few times actually. Think about this. Even if the Lord placed him on an island of self-proclaimed liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Titus in the churches he was to strengthen and establish the churches they were leading 
had to find ways to reach among their communities. We're to live for others. We have a wonderful heritage. So many have invested in us, and so many of us have invested in God's kingdom. What an amazing opportunity to continue to build on that. Because God's church is never a museum, right? It's not a museum. When I was a kid, we went to field trips to the museum of our class. In some ways, I look forward to it. In other ways, I didn't. I look forward to it because I was kind of a nerdy learner, and I like learning some of this stuff, going to Boston or New York City for some of those museums. But at the same time, the thing I didn't like is that Church is in a museum, isn't it? People got a museum. We don't have God under glass. We don't speak in hushed tones about the great things that He did. We speak in boasting of God, with loud voices, rejoicing in the great things that He did, the great things He is doing, and the great things He will continue to do as we continue with the Apostles' doctrine. You notice in this letter, Titus chapter one, verse sixteen. There's some false teachers there that Paul says, they profess they know God, but in works they deny him being a model and disobedient to every good work, reprobate, worthless. But then he says in Titus 2, verse 14, about the kindness of God that he's saying about, that mercy and grace that God poured out on us. He says, here's how you live in the present world, verse 12. He says, looking for the future, Christ returned that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, all sin, right? There's the, uh, there's the justification, being redeemed from our sin, washed in his blood, and purifying to himself and to feel it, unique people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man deceive you. And look what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. He wants to see this lived out in the present lives, right? In this present world. Chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that you affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God... That's Jesus' church, right? Might be careful to maintain good works. Put a lot of care and effort into fleshing out what it is to be Christ in you. To have Christ in you. These things are good and profitable to men. There's an exchange here of what Jesus has done for you flowing out of our lives into the lives of other human beings. And then notice what he says in verse 14. Again, let ours, our people... He's tell, Paul tells Titus, also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. There's a point that he's trying to get across, isn't there? You see this island transformed from the evil beasts, <laughs> from the liars, from the lazy gluttons, into the image of Jesus Christ. And Paul says one of the key ways this happens is through it, of course, transforming and changing you. And then flowing out as you then serve 
other people. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to get to that point with our relationship with our neighbors? That they would eventually have a genuine reason to ask, why do you love me? Why do you care? And if we can get a neighbor to have a genuine reason to ask that question, I think that's half the battle. Because you know what our response is? Our simple response? Because God loves you. And we would be delighted to discuss how he demonstrated that love by sending his son to die for us and give us a life. That's New Testament Christianity. Imagine in our town, people struggling in some way, imagine that their natural response would be to think this, you know what? That church can help us out. They got members trained and ready to serve. And I know other people in our neighborhood or our community whose lives have been dramatically changed by those people. What a thing to be known for, right? Can you imagine people hurting or having real needs and God's people are the first thing they think about where they could find hope? It's a powerful thing. Our local community thinking this, I can get help from that particular community, that particular faith family, that church, because I know they love me there. Now I know all these things are in our hearts, right? And this is our heart, I think, I think, I would think the majority of our church, this is, this is our heart for our community. We've got to take some steps to do that here. When God began his covenant with Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And that's going to come through one of your descendants, Jesus Christ. Right? Well, here's the amazing thing. God took Jews and Gentiles and he joined them with Jesus Christ. And so now the life of Jesus transforming us now flows out of us in our engagements with our community. How can we be a blessing? I just encourage and ask for servant leaders, servants who share this vision of what God can do when we surrender to be a blessing. Begin to let the cogs in your mind begin to move here. And think about it. What is my next action step? Sometimes churches can fall into a, a fear-filled rut of operating like we have to say no until we have to say yes. And we can be like the Israelites sometimes, fearful about the promised land, right? But I think as God's people, the Holy Spirit of God living in us, That we can be a people who operate in a spirit of faith and confidence and trust in the Lord of saying yes until we have to say no. I know lots of us are concerned about the political climate, and I'm among those. That's changing in its view of believers and pushing Christians more and more to the margins. We shouldn't be surprised about that in one sense, because the Bible says that's what happens, right? With nations that turn away from the Lord and its principles. But here's what we can't fall into the trap of. 
retreating. We cannot fall in the trap of retreating. The fruit of our labors is well worth the risk. Sometimes when we present um, opportunities where we can serve the Lord, we can think of all the downside and negative things, right? What if this happens, or that, or you get sued, right? Those kinds of things, right? What if we put as much energy in thinking, but what can God do? What if God raises us from Joshua and Caleb's? A whole church of Joshua and Caleb's, he said. But this is what the promised land has. By the way, the promised land in the Old Testament isn't heaven. They're still fighting giants <laughs> in the promised land. What are we doing that in heaven? It's taking back the ground that God's promised to us. But it takes faith. I think our days, and I'm going to be bold and I hope I'm wrong here, I think our days are numbered where we can have overtly organized efforts like we can to make an impact in our community in formal ways. I think those days are numbered. At the same time, those days are not gone. And when those days come, God's mission will not stop. We'll have to be more creative and find other ways. But I want to, I want to challenge you with this. In our days and times where it might seem like the darkness is creeping in, what we can't do is sit down and bite our fingernails and say, the darkness is creeping in. What are we going to do? Here's what we do as believers in Jesus Christ. We press into it with faith and confidence that the fruit is well worth the risk. Let's not waste these days. Let's make them count. And then when the a government order might come that says you can't do this, then we think of how we can do it in other ways. Might be a day. I hope not. Might be a day where that door's chained for the building, for this building. Is that going to stop Jesus' church? Nope. Never has. Never will. In fact, a lot of times, if you study church history, it flourishes even more. Because then people take the mindset, oh, okay, this is on us. We've got to take steps. We've got to press in to be more responsible here. So I'm telling you that because I know as we think of ideas, etc. here, we might think of all kinds of things that might be reasons not to do those things. And some of those might be legitimate reasons. At the same time, I also want to encourage you to let's try to say yes until we have to say no. And let's be good stewards of the days that God gives us here. Let me just challenge you with this. Think about this facility, this building, right? Basically used one or two times a week here. Think about the potential here for using this space effectively for serving Christ. How many hours it sits vacant? Think about community needs. How many of those opportunities could be addressed in this building? Oh, I understand there's risks. I also understand, again, there's tremendous fruit and relationships that can come from it. 
Shouldn't something like the Red Cross, regardless of your opinion on the efficiency of the Red Cross, shouldn't the Red Cross or something like that, shouldn't our area and our location and our facilities be the first thing they think of when they would have a blood drive? Yeah, you know what? Those people there, they have a good space for it, and they roll out the red carpet. So one of the things I'm suggesting for us here, I'd like to take a couple initiatives here this year, is this. You'll notice in your annual report, there was a line there that said community engagement team. And I asked the budget committee if we could set aside $10,000 this year for community engagement. I'm proposing that we find some people here with this kind of heart. We either have a pulse on the needs of our community or are willing to press into and pursue or find people in our community who do have a pulse on the needs in our community by talking to town officials, law enforcement, district attorneys, you name it, child services. Look for opportunities to serve. People with a pulse on the needs. Call them seekers. They know what's going on in the community of needs. We already have a lot of these people in our church. I think of Tim in law enforcement. Tim can tell you everything that's going on from St. George to Port Clyde, part of Port Knox, uh, Knox County, right? From Port Clyde to Washington. He knows the needs that are there. He knows the limits that law enforcement have. And he knows the real hope that those people need. Tim's an asset for those things. Dick and Shane, these have tremendous opportunities in their business. They have their ears to the ground. I'm always told about somebody who came in asking for prayer. Big old rough farmer asking for prayer because something happened in his family. Or an opportunity that happened because someone lost their spouse. And there's more to be like that. People have a heart for those particular needs. They can connect our church with those needs. And so what I'm proposing here is to put together a community engagement team. I don't know how all this is going to work. Start from the ground up here. But people who are seekers, and then joined with people who are connectors. People who have taken a survey, a service bank of our church body and our abilities and our ways to serve Hey, you're good at this. If a need came up, would you be willing to serve in this particular way? And have a database of our people and how God's gifted them and what they enjoy doing, serving the Lord. And connect those people with the particular needs. But then we also have a fund. A fund that people can draw out of, and this is where I need some administrative help and ideas for guidelines that help propel the mission same time, don't have unnecessary red tape and make it impossible. Like a town relief chest. Charlie has a heart to be a blessing to a lot of our elderly in our neighborhood, in our community. 
whether it's fixing their leaky gutters or their stairs, their unsafe stairs, to give opportunities to speak to the Lord. Putting together work teams like that would be a blessing to our neighborhoods so that we have community engagement. And so I, here's, here's, what I, here's what I, I'm proposing this here because I've talked about this for a long time, but I'm not, I'm content, I'm not content with talking about it anymore. I want to see some action here. So I know that if we're going to see action, then we need help. We need help. So we need a team. And I don't know how this is going to look like exactly from beginning to end, but I know if we start somewhere, God's going to open up opportunities. And what an amazing thing it would be to be at the end of this year be able to say, you know what? God allowed us to have an influence beyond what we dreamed. And here's some opportunities that we have to lead people to the Lord, to have conversation with, to open doors, to see people saved and baptized and growing and joining in themselves. What an amazing opportunity. What fruit could God do from this when God's people take this upon themselves? And then, just a couple other little things here. Um, so, this last year, <clears throat> Um, Shane Peace was um, invited to kind of help out with a Union Common Christmas tree lighting. And didn't really know what was involved in that. Um, they made a bag of candy and invited people to go out. Of course, it looked a little different than it had in years past with people gathering on the common. Uh, here, it was more of in your cars here. Um, all that to say this. The bar was really low and there's a lot of potential there. There is a lot of potential there for our church to have an impact through something like a Union Christmas tree light. Tons of impact. The door is wide open. And so, I know not everybody lives in Union. I live in Union. And so I'm going to try to be involved in that. And maybe some of the other ones in Union or that local kind of uh, on, on borders or whatever, the local region. What an amazing thing it would be to have our church have an opportunity to serve there and make the Union Christmas tree light, which is a shadow of what Christmas is all about, right? It gives opportunities to talk about what true Christmas is all about. Give an opportunity here to be something where people would drive around, drive, drive you for miles because something's going on there. And give us opportunities to think about because Jesus has loved us, we can love our community. And here's, the, here's how I know Jesus has loved me. And share my story. And let our imaginations run a little bit wild or something like that. That's a thought. Alright? Here's something else. We have a lot of single parents in our community. A lot of broken homes in our community. Some of these single parents are strapped to the limit. They get no breaks. What if some of us got together... I've been had all our screening done by, you know, for our, our criminal records, etc. Have been have been screened and said, you know what, we're going to provide a parent sign out. We're going to host like a little mini one night BBS kind of a program. Kids can drop off their their kids at after school or whatever. And I understand some of this relate. We are, you know got to think through with all the COVID stuff here. But just dream with me a little bit. Drop them off at three or four after school. Pick them up at 
seven, etc. And they can have, I don't care if your mom wants to go home and sleep. <laughs> or if a couple needs to go on a date. But some of us say, hey, we're going to watch the kids here and have a little program for them. And you're going to have a night off. That doesn't happen. That's not happening. There's a lot of stuff like that that's not happening. Tremendous opportunities here. We've got to think creatively. We've got to think beyond um, some of our... uh, 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 We we just get stale sometimes. right? But think about things like that. And then serving the elderly in our area. You know that our state has the oldest population, I believe, in the country. Average population. Which means there is tons of ministry opportunity. The world puts the elderly aside, right? Generally, they're useless to society in the world's eyes. What an opportunity for the church to be countercultural and say, here's some ways we can honor and serve the elderly. We try to do a few things like this. Um, Charlie and Paul had, had a ministry um, called Community Circle and invited some of the elderly to get out much, particularly in the winter, have soup together and play some games and, and uh, have some conversations, etc. But I think there's I think there's 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 ways we can build on that and press into that even more. And then another thing here. In our area, there is not a playground besides down Route 235. And then down the side road of the elementary school or the Union Elementary School up by Route 17. There's not a playground in our area here. Our playground out there has seen its better days. Right, Jared? <laughs> Jared can't swing out of it anymore. Could be safe. It's seen better days, right? And Troy Allison needs a playground in this area. In this area. <laughs> and and uh, Sam and Kara uh, say amen to that. No, there, there's, not a, there's not a playground in our area. What if we put some money into a decent playground, like a school kind of playground? Uh, not out of cedar, but out of something that might last longer here. And we put it a little bit closer to the parking lot. And it becomes a place for a community hub for moms in the summer, or dads. And we try to be a blessing in our community. And then some of our own moms and dads take their kids to play on it and get to know some of the families in the area. Perhaps we have a barbecue when we're able to do that or find some way to do that. And we really press into being a blessing to our community. I have some ideas. You probably have way better ideas. (laughs) My creativity level is like a 2 or 3 out of 10 here. You guys have way better Ideas, and you've been in this community much longer than me. You know, you know way more than I do. My point is this: How can you and I, at South Oak Community Church, who have been blessed, be a blessing? And what can God do with that this year? I think there's tremendous potential. And all I ask at this point is that you pray about that. And that you think about what God will do through your particular gifts. Father God, Terry, you have to think of protection. We used to have a day when we had veterans day there. Mm-hmm. Honor our veterans, have veterans dinners, etc. here, find ways to honor our veterans. 
there's, there's, there's tremendous opportunities. You guys have way, way more ideas, way better ideas, probably better implementation, what would work, what wouldn't work here. And, I, and I'd love to see those things put together with a community engagement team and see some traction uh, here this year. And uh, I will use my gifts to do what I can do, but good grief, I'm not incompetent. My giftings are this level, but I'm willing to serve and support and give you permission. If you're looking for permission, give you permission to say, let's dream together and let's put our feet together for the Lord's work. Let me pray. Lord, what a, what a rich heritage you've given our church. Think about all the years from the beginnings of the church um, and uh, the wonderful things you did in the, in the 80s and the 90s and, and uh, this, uh, this century as well, Lord, where you are at work and you're always working. Lord, we need to figure out where we see you at work and join you in that. And part of that comes when we take initiative and steps here um, that you're going to honor. Lord, I just pray that you would build up your church in an amazing way. I thank you for the wonderful years we have behind us and I look forward to the wonderful years ahead of us with the same Jesus who is yesterday and today and forever. Um, Lord, we know our times, our climate uh, has has changed in our area um, of receptivity, etc. You haven't changed, and the power of your gospel hasn't changed. And so, like a football coach looking at the team that we got to take on, help us to think through our game plan. We're still going to pass the ball. We're still going to run it. We're still going to kick it when we need to. Lord, I pray you help us to think as a generation who, like the men of Issachar, understood their times to be better equipped uh, to serve. What an amazing opportunity you've given us in this location. We can think of all the reasons why we can't, or we can think of all the, uh, the negative parts of things, and Lord, I just think it's much more healthy and God-honoring to think about you, what you desire to do through us. You're all-powerful at the same time you use people. So I'm excited, Lord, to see what you will do through your people. Thank you for their investments, for seeking the kingdom first, above all things, and the ways that you have so abundantly blessed. And now, Lord, help us to respond as good stewards of all the blessing you've given us. To say, Lord, continue this work through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's sing.
when I think about vision and ministry here, I, I have a tendency to be really small sometimes. And I think about just what it looks like right here, how it impacts my life and the community I live in, but it's so much bigger than that. Right? I listened to a preacher this week say, we talk a lot about you know, what we think, who we think we might see in heaven and, and might not, we, we'll be surprised. And he said, no, I think, I think we're going to be thinking less about that and more consumed with who God is and the glory of eternity. And that's what we're fighting for here, right? It's not as small as just our church or just South Hope or Union. It's we're fighting for eternity and for what we get to experience there. And this, this song, Death of Mercy, um, Charles Wesley, and I'm constantly... Constantly um, burdened and driven by what these words said, what the writer says. And it's, um, he says in the last verse, Jesus seeks and pleads his blood, he disarms the wrath of God. He disarms the wrath of God with his blood by showing us his grace and his mercy. And so as we think about vision, that's, that's what drives it, right? So we're just singing this song. It's the gospel story. That's what motivates us. It's what lifts us up. It's what carries us through when things don't feel successful. And then we're going to sing Be Down My Vision as a prayer that God would give us His wisdom, His vision for the days to come. Would you stand? Join me as we sing Death of Mercy and then Be Down My Vision. Oh, yeah.
today's, uh, this week's Bible reading. Um, it will be Romans 1 through 8, which does review. We'll prepare you, Lord willing, for the next Sunday when we come back together and read through those scriptures and pray and have communion together. Um, so pick up one of those. And then prayer focus for this week. And I really am asking you to pray for these prayer focuses here. Pick up a sheet. Um, put it on your dinner table, or your refrigerator, etc. We're praying for these particular families. Chris and Naomi, Alana, Amy, and Kate Dickinson. Peter and Carolyn Eckhart. Mike and Tina Fairfield. And Kathy Finnemore. I'm going to pray for those particular families this week. And then pray for the particular things that the Apostle Paul has as his vision for uh, the deacons. Uh, here at the bottom of that, uh, the second part of that, that sheet. Um, we'll have our meeting here around uh, 10.30. Um, if you haven't yet, pick up your annual report back there. And then there is a nomination sheet and then a paper ballot for deacon nominations. Um, please pick those up if you haven't. And then uh, we are would like to start up our Sunday school here after the morning service at Mark, on March 7th. We do need a helper for Becca Brand for the twos and threes. Uh, so please let her know if you can help. Um, she, uh, you, you know twos and threes. You could use a, use an extra pair of hands there for sure. So um, if you can help with that, please please let her know. And then uh, the Zoe, the Women's Center, has some needs that they could use filled. As far as I know, they haven't received those things yet. A stroller, baby swing, and bumbo seat. You might want to give them a, a buzz to find out here what they still need. The numbers in the back of the bulletin. And we do have a, an opening and a need for a Sunday school superintendent and assistant to help us coordinate Sunday school for, for 2021. Um, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. You can be uh, dismissed uh, to your particular um, responsibilities. Lord Jesus, we thank you that there is a mission that you've given your people. Lord, you've given us direction, you have given us uh, uh, commands, you have given us extreme grace, you have given us an eternal salvation, you have given us an eternal refuge, of, as we just sang, that goes beyond what we, we can even imagine from the, the wrath of God and eternity in hell. And we thank you for that refuge. But Lord, help us to be good stewards of that. And to see your word at work inside of us, continue to transform us day by day, degree by degree, into the glory of Christ. And to engage and interact with other believers in encouragement, provoking one another to love and good works, and then with the lost as well, the hope that's within us. We pray for your spirit to be upon us at our time during our, our meeting and the Rejoice that you are our saving King in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, we're trying to make it safe for our community to take part in the dinner next week. So, if you need a different level of safety, if you could please sign up to be in the posting beam room, we're going to serve everyone family style. So, the food's going to be waiting at the table to again try to make it safer for everyone. So if nobody signs up for the post and bean room, there will be no food back there for you. So if you would like, that room will be reserved for people who want to keep their masks on other than when they're actually eating their food. So that's going to be the restriction back there. 
There's a sign-up sheet. If you don't want to sign up, you can come talk to me or call me or email me, whatever you want to do. And then probably everyone can't hear me, huh? Um, so our kitchen has already been a community kitchen because we're a community church. And I think everybody wants to keep it that way. Um, we use it for fundraising for people in our community in need, birthday parties, showers. Unfortunately, a few weeks ago, MICE decided to join our community, and it has not gone well. So I want to thank um, Bell and Kim Harrison and Brooke and Caden and Violet dry dishes for four hours straight, bless her heart. And Warren and Abby and Archer spent hours over this week trying to clean and sanitize everything so it's safe to use. Everything's been washed and put in Rubbermaid. We keep seeing signs of mice, and so until they decide to leave our community, um, we're going to do that. But most of the food that was in there had to be thrown out. Um, so if you usually keep stuff back there, I think part of the problem was a year ago when we stopped having meals together, we thought it was going to be a couple weeks. And so stuff just didn't get cleaned out from Awana and Sunday school and stuff, and so that affected them. And so most of that had to be thrown out. So don't assume your stuff's back there, because if there were signs of rodents, it went. Um, and we're going to ask that everybody, if you have food, that you keep it in containers. We're going to try to get some back there um, for you to use and just keep it in there. Label it so nobody you know, uses the stuff that you're planning on for your ministry. Um, and we'll put the instructions back there. But just to... Don't panic when you go in and see there's nothing in the cupboards. I guess that's what I'm saying. It didn't all get tossed. It's all the rubber made in, in the back room, and hopefully we'll be kept clean so that it's safe for all of us to use, and just bear with us while we try to take care of that problem. Thank you. And we did, made a huge dent in our little visitors there, so it's not the, not as overrun. made a huge dent. Um, yeah, this lady spent like 20 hours, literally. Um, cleaning everything in that kitchen. Appreciate their their hard work there. And that is a labor of love. <laughs> no other explanation of that. So thank you.